Good morning and welcome to the Tuesday Morning Blitz. It is COVID Kale Clinton, and he has taken over the intro for the show this week. Uh, Kale, I know your brain's not working too great today, but uh, we're going to talk some football. If uh, if that that's right, we are. Yeah. So, I mean, first off, only two weeks left in the season. Lots going on this week. One seed's fully locked up, which. I don't think anybody saw it coming into this week. The Ravens had a chance, of course, to clinch the one seed uh, with a win at home against Miami. They not only took care of business, but absolutely thumped them. Scorigami, shout out, 56-19, absolute bloodbath. But the 49ers clinched the one seed, and that was a surprise to some because not only did they need a win, uh, which they were able to take care of somewhat easily against the Washington Commanders, but the Philadelphia Eagles needed to lose at home to the Arizona Cardinals. And by George, it happened. So maybe a weird place to start for the week because we've got a lot of achievements to talk about. But, uh, man, what's the level of panic in Philly right about now? Oh, sky high. It's – I don't – I, w- I want to preface it by saying I feel like this is a Cardinals outcome that we should have been seeing more often on Kyler's return. Uh, I felt like we got tastes of it. Uh, But just these big explosions of like, you know, 225 plus yard games, three plus touchdowns, like kind of ball out performances, you know, a little scooting here and there too. A little yakety sacks playing on a Kyler scramble. Uh, We needed a couple of those. But it, 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 it's a testament to just how poorly this Eagles defense has looked of late. Uh, we knew secondary was a bit of a concern. It, it kind of reared its ugly head again uh, this week. Murray just bawling out uh, with, again, like not a lot to work with. Guys, uh, but four straight touchdown drives to close this game for the Arizona Cardinals is just pretty insane. Yeah. 10-play, 75-yard, 9-play, 77-yard. Yeah, I was going to say, no short fields. 7-play, 70-yard. All of them just cooking Matt Patricia's defense the full way through. It. There were concerns when Patricia took over and more, I'd almost say more so off meme and meme alone. Like Matt Patricia has coached some, has coached some good defenses or, or has been a part of some well-coached defenses and has coached some poor defenses, namely Detroit. But, it's just it's just real bad, man. Like this is this is becoming a big not becoming a big problem, but it is a big problem. It's at staring the Eagles squarely in the face. The secondary is an issue. They gave up an 84.6 uh defensive passing DVOA. By far their worst mark of the season. Uh by 32 points. 
worse since week 13. Uh, like, by far, their worst mark of the season at arguably the worst time they could possibly have it. Uh, Against the 27th-ranked passing DVOA offense to begin with as well. Yeah. No, it's – the fact that this is their worst game – like, you know, you can have a bad game against San Francisco. That's their week 13 game. That's the 50-something percenter. To have this game against Arizona is a complete collapse. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I am curious to go look back at tape of, you know, Bradbury in this game. Uh, I, I'm thank like, Eagles should be thankful it's not a worse outcome for uh, Devonta Smith than original, uh, originally thought. Uh, insult but, to injury, injury to insult, whatever you want to call that one. I don't. Worse. I just. I just don't really know where Philadelphia goes from here at the moment. It, it just feels like it. It feels a little doomed. I, I. I. I don't want to just speak in generalities on this. It just doesn't feel like a good, and obviously bad situation to be in right now. You don't want to. Uh, don't want to be where Philadelphia is right now. Uh, I think season. I think game's slipping away from him. Ironically enough, uh, I mean, I'm gonna hate to bring up an antiquated stat like passer rating, but since I've got the game logs in front of me, uh, this was Jalen Hurts' first game with a hundred plus passer rating since the uh, 28-23 win over Dallas back in early November. So I just don't think they've been right for a while on either side of the ball. Uh, and it's just kind of getting to be too late in the season to recover it, especially when you're suffering like key injuries on both sides of the ball. Other teams are suffering key injuries too. So it was kind of a glum week in that sense. But uh, I think the number one team that I thought, you know, if I saw an interesting thought exercise going around on X yesterday, it was like, if you had to pick four teams and put your life savings on one of these four teams to win the Super Bowl and, Nobody else can win it. Otherwise, you lose your life savings. Who would you include in that four? I didn't even think about including the Eagles in that top four. I don't I don't think they can do it this year. And maybe that's partially just because I don't think Jalen's fully been himself the last month and a half. That's partially – I mean, A.J. Brown hasn't had a touchdown either in five weeks now. So it's really just not the same offense that we become accustomed to seeing when they were, you know, running their way to 10-1. and one. They If they don't, you know, barely squeak by that uh, Giants team last week – then they would have lost five in a row by now. It's just been a month and a half of bad football at this point. The one the one stat I think that really explains it. Eagles are one and four since Big Dom got kicked off the sidelines. I just hate that explanation. The, just need to bring back the uh the rowdy Italian. I mean, there's Is something it? going around. There's something going on with, you know, rowdy Italians because the Giants also haven't won since uh, Tommy DeVito and his agent snubbed the pizza parlor. I know Tommy went back on his own and tried to fix it, but misdeeds by lovable Italian characters have been. I have, I have fully missed whatever that story is. <laughs> you, I, you were out on the Tommy DeVito agent saga? This guy. It was the most classic thing you've ever heard. They they booked a gig at like a just a random Jersey pizza shop, uh, and they had a booking fee, and I think the original booking fee was ten grand. Already a lot. And then after Tommy won his third game in a row, apparently his agent like went to the pizza parlor and was just like, "Hey, price just went up. It's twenty grand now." And they just fully canceled it. And then 
I guess what ended up happening was Tommy like fired his agent in terms of making those bookings for him. Now he just handles the contract stuff and went back to the pizza parlor for free. So good on Tommy for making it right. But yeah, this is, this is uh catching kale up on pop culture. It's a new segment. I, I know all about uh, Steve Solar, Solaria. Uh, I don't think Steve's his first name, is it? Sean, Sean Stellata. That's what it is. Sean Stellata. Uh, I, yeah, dude, I, I was looking at his, uh, his three-time Marist all-academic uh, years and the uh, and the one uh, touchdown record he held uh, at Marist. So I, I'm very familiar with his agent. I was unfamiliar with the uh, with the local pizza story, and I'm frankly better for it. I guess. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't wrong Jersey pizza parlors. That's like the number one rule of existing in Jersey is you don't, you don't go after the, the pizza crown. So good on, good on Tommy for at least fixing some of the karma, but Hey, the giants haven't won since. And uh, we'll get into some of the specifics of how they lost their most recent game. Cause it was maybe the most painful loss yet. But before we do that, we got to continue talking about playoff implications of this week. Uh, the 49ers, win the game, get the one seed, uh, and then possibly my favorite moment of the week that we won't fully touch on is uh, the 49ers huddling in front of the three-inch by three-inch plasma TV in the FedEx field locker room afterwards. Uh, Many people pointed out the Michael Scott comparisons there. It was just uh, the most perfect FedEx field thing you've ever seen. But uh, now that the 49ers have clinched the one seed, we've still got the – kind of the residue of last week's loss still hanging over them. They get to rest up. Are they still the odds on no doubt favorite to win the NFC in your mind? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's just a matter of a fully talented roster. Dallas. Dallas is interesting to me, but I just still can't get that full dismantling out of my head and there's too many we talked on the small optics of like the tony pollard non-touchdown uh we we've touched on mike mccarthy's just inability to properly call an offense but like dallas is still a, a legit football team with a good defense with coached by a good coordinator and dan quinn and the offense is headed up by a good quarterback in Dak Prescott, who's been playing at MVP conversation levels. Uh, there's a lot of good for Dallas to hang their hat on. I, I, yeah, it's just it's just uh, San Francisco to me. The Detroit's just scrappy in my mind, but God, we'll talk about that game. I I, I genuinely think they really needed that to not have a shot at winning the NFC, but I think this team more than most needs all the help they can get. Detroit is one of those underrated teams that kind of on, like everyone talks about Dallas's home road splits, but not many people talk about Detroit's. Uh, Detroit's home road splits, I can't even speak. Uh, Detroit's home road splits are uh, 
equally pretty gaudy. While I pull those up, though, just to get it, where are you kind of at in the NFC just from a landscape perspective? Because the Rams dropped a pretty – or almost dropped. Sorry. I, I just keep processing that Tyrod brush as a as an okay, they won moment. Uh, but Rams almost dropped a pretty gruesome game against the – Niners, the or the uh, Giants, geez. Uh, the we've talked about the Eagles, we've talked about the Cowboys, uh, or I've talked about the Cowboys at least. Uh, and it doesn't seem like another real wild card team that could pose a legitimate threat. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting conundrum, uh, to me. I think that, uh, as much as I want to call the Niners the favorites, I, I think that. Dallas is still kind of right there from a talent perspective. And I, I'm less so factoring in that week six, week seven game, whatever it was, obviously they don't want to go back to San Francisco and the same thing could hundred percent happen. But I, I think that even the, even more so it's the, the last 25 years that have conditioned me to believe that the Cowboys are going to somehow fall apart in the playoffs. So if you can, if you can erase all that from your memory, if you can erase not only earlier this year, but, 25 years of misery, then I absolutely think the Cowboys are right there. Uh, but I can't do that, and therefore I'm not going to be able to stomach picking them to win the NFC. It's just not – it's it's become too much buildup over the years that it's a believe-it-when-I-see-it situation. Uh, and then I just mentioned my disgust with the Eagles. I really just think they've kind of thrown their season away at this point. That just leaves me with Detroit, who I I think are the ultimate wild card in this whole thing. I think – Ultimately, I don't believe them to make the Super Bowl, but I think they could take out one of those top teams on the way. Uh, and if they just happen to run into the Niners on the right day, who knows? Uh, but at the same time, I, I I feel like from a pure talent perspective, they're probably the team that lines up the worst with the Niners out of all the teams we're talking about. So if I'm evaluating all the options, I, I think I feel better about San Francisco actually coming out of the NFC than I do about Baltimore coming out of the AFC, even though Baltimore's looked like the better team recently. So that's kind of where I stand. Uh, yeah. Also, I was fully wrong on the uh, uh, the Detroit split stats. Uh, I was thinking more that they've just had uh, – they're more egregious losses on the road, uh, smoked by Baltimore, uh, that loss to – Doesn't Chicago. look as bad anymore. At the time, it was like, oh, Detroit's it's, not real. They got waxed by Baltimore. Well, Baltimore's waxed everyone they've played ever since. I know. It's still just an ugly loss uh, to have on the road. Uh, a loss to the Bears, uh, a pretty handily uh, loss to the Bears, uh, 13-28, and uh, the loss to the Cowboys. Yeah, which we can we can adjudicate later. Um because obviously that was the hot button moment of the week, and we've we've both got plenty to say about it. But uh, regardless, I think we we kind of know where we stand in the NFC. Uh, AFC gets interesting. I want to ask you that like four team question because I think anyone would would put the Niners and Ravens in there right now, unless they're really feeling contrarian. And I know that was your preseason Super Bowl prediction, so I don't know why you'd move off that now. But if I'm gonna offer you Cowboys, Eagles, Lions, sure, why not? And then I'll give you the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Browns. Pick two of those six teams that you think can win the Super Bowl. 
it's so like it's such an uphill battle to say uh bills and there's a part of me that's really starting to believe it uh this bills team is uh at this at this point pretty well seasoned in uh playoff defeat which i think in a weird way helps them uh Mindset and preparation is going to be a, a very important thing for these teams uh, heading into the postseason. And of the three you've said uh, in the AFC, uh, I, I don't think KC is the juice. We'll see how they finish out. They they yeah. kind of de facto clinch that division. But I left uh, them out. I I thought about including them, defending champs. People get mad about that one, but I don't see it. I don't think you do either, so leaving him out. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville as well. Jacksonville kind of looks uh, beat up without uh, – Trevor Lawrence, like, when healthy, will provide a boost to that team. Or, or just when back, will provide a boost to that team. He will not be healthy in this postseason. But uh, they, that defense is, a, is not uh, – is not like playoff ready at the moment, but of the three that you've mentioned, speaking of playoff ready, Browns have no experience there. They they won one game with Baker Mayfield at quarterback, which shows how long ago uh, that win was. And the Dolphins' lone trip under McDaniel was, uh, you know, a Skylar Thompson start. I think uh, it's it's pretty. Limited experience, and uh, Buffalo has experienced some pretty low lows when it comes to uh, playoff runs recently. But I think that kind of weathers them to actually be able to make a run. Plus, uh, this is not a team that does well with expectations. This is a team that does well as an underdog, uh, and Buffalo is pretty well equipped to do that. Uh, as a wild card seat, I wouldn't be surprised in that regard if they if, – on vibe That's, what's amazing. That's what's amazing about Buffalo right now is if they win this game in Miami, they are no longer a wild card team. But if they lose it and Jacksonville, Houston, and Pittsburgh all win, they're out of the playoffs. They haven't actually clinched anything yet. So yeah. I think they're going to make it. I think they're going to beat Miami. But it just goes to show that living life on a razor's edge is kind of the uh, the norm at this point for Bills fans. Yeah, they, they could use the help, obviously, of being uh... – higher seed, but the, what I'm more saying is the lack of expectation is what's going to uh, give these guys a little bit of a uh, of the moral or the, uh, the morale boost they need. Uh, NFC side, like I, I love the Lions for the chutzpah, but uh, it's like it's got to be Dallas just by default. It, it, again, Blinds, hide the logo. I'm I'm picking Dallas over the rest of these teams. Uh, it's just the fact when you bring in, uh, they haven't been to the playoffs since Aikman was quarterback, or, or they haven't been to the uh, uh, conference championship since Aikman was quarterback. Uh, that's when you get a little scared. But it's a uh, 
God, they're a good team when they're uh, when they're firing on all cylinders. Yeah, and you hide the logo for Detroit too, and then for Philly, it's like, well, I know you made it there last year, but they've never been more clear that they're not the same team. So it's you, it's kind of pick your poison on like which which uh, you know cursed vibes do you want to go with. So I think Dallas is where I would you know cautiously side too, uh, or you could pick three AFC teams and really get weird with it because uh, you know. Or you lose your life savings. I'd throw the hot Flacco team in there uh, for sure. Again, just off vibes. Uh, just like that, if I was rocking with a vibes team, Detroit's getting a little scary to me. Uh, God, like, God, they deserve that win. Uh, but I really just want a, uh, I want a Joe Flacco uh, team leading this. I want a Joe Flacco team in the in a deep playoff run again. Bring me back to the aughts. Bring me back to like 2011. Flow Rider was still making music. Good old days. Those are good days. Now we kind of talked about all of them. I mean, the Chiefs get their mojo back. I guess uh, basically they just continued to field goal the Jake Browning Bengals to death and finally clinched their AFC title. So they're locked into the three seed. Browns are locked into the AFC's five seed. Over on the NFC side, we've got the Niners locked into the one seed, and you've got the Rams pretty much locked into the six seed. Some real madness would have to unfold for them to move up. Uh, so there's a lot of teams that kind of have nothing to play for. Now, who's still playing for something? That's what we can break down next. Most obvious one, let's get it right out of the way. Houston Indy, Saturday, night game, prime time. Whoever wins that game is in. Whoever loses that game is pretty much guaranteed to be out. There's some weird tiebreaker scenarios that can maybe see both of them get in, but I mean, I don't, I don't even see them right now. I think, I think it's literally a winner in loser out scenario. Now that I'm looking at it, I've got uh, shout out FO former colleague, Brian Knowles. I've got his entire playoff scenarios table open in front of me. And I have just confirmed there is no scenario where Indy and Houston both get in. So his, his little, I will say, his little graphics package goes crazy. It does. A bit. Oh, what an aesthetic. It's really good. I mean, it just looks like Excel, but it hits. Oh, and it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful. There's that one, but he has a, uh, if you go to his page, he has a much more detailed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of every playoff scenario. Mm-hmm. One with helmets that he's done for years now. Uh, it is. It is one of my favorite tools to look at to just get every. I was looking at the uh, at the Steelers one uh, earlier to, or earlier last night, and it was super interesting just looking at like every circumstance that the seal like the Steelers need to specifically make the seven seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just like the all the dominoes that need to fall for that to happen. Uh, he does great work. Yeah, it is quite good. So right off the bat, we've got those AFC South teams still with stuff to play for. And then the Jags, of course, still control the AFC South. But, you know, they take care of business against Tennessee. They win the division. If they lose, they can still get in as the seven seed uh, if Denver and Pittsburgh also lose. But that's not something they want to depend on. Uh, So that's how the AFC South shakes down. And then, of course, you have your AFC East the Bills and Dolphins playing for the title. The Dolphins are the two seed if they win, the six seed if they lose. 
Bills are probably the six and seven if they lose, but there is a scenario where they get out. So there's your AFC. Uh, let's just talk about Bills Dolphins since that's obviously the game of the week. Uh, I mean, how much has your confidence shifted in the last couple of weeks against Miami and how much, you know, would you call it 70, 30 bills momentum right now or no, because it's still in Miami. It's not even just the momentum. It's the fact that, uh, Losing Bradley Chubb's a big deal. It is. Uh, that's a massive, massive loss for this Dolphins team. The uh, I, I wanna like Waddle's a bigger deal. Mostert's a big deal. This is a hobbled Dolphins team right now. Uh, I I don't want to just say this is a complete. Uh, Collapse a la the 2022 season where they like just didn't have Tua. I think Tua is a different, like losing a quarterback is a different beast than losing a wide receiver two, an RB1, and a leading edge rusher. But like this is more just death by a thousand cuts at this point. This is a real issue. Uh, this is this is impacting long term playoff. Potential. This is uh, like uh, this. This takes away from any real chance at a run. Uh, it's it's disheartening. You want to be able to see this team go uh, go full speed. Uh, you know, no pun intended to the McDaniel offense. You want to see this team uh, attack all out, and it's it's frustrating that we just keep seeing this happen. It's. Like, I, like I, I, what Miami pun do you want to make? Like, the tan looks great, but it's really damaging to the skin. Like, there's there's some, you know, drinks are good, but it kills your liver. There's some there's some crazy, you know, Miami Vice-themed pun you can make with all this. But it it's, you know, it still stands. Like, this is a team that cannot stay healthy at this point. And it, yeah. it's really concerning. And there's a lot of ways you can butter knife, you know, kind of Miami's season too and turn it from, you know, on the whole how impressive it is. But, I mean, obviously you have the one massive game that still kind of confounds a lot of their stats. And I, I just found it interesting that uh, it's now six straight games where Tua hasn't thrown for 300-plus yards. Like that was their whole thing early in the season was they had the 460-something pass yards game or whatever in the first week against L.A., and then they had the game against Denver where everybody went bonkers and everybody had, you know, two had 300 yards, but they also had 350 on the ground. Uh, and since, I mean, really since like mid-November, uh, the offense has just kind of not been the same. I, I honestly go back to that Raiders game, a game, ironically, which to a, was his last 300-yard passing game. But they win that one 20 to 13. They look real shaky. Uh, they get, you know, a couple semi bounce backs like Washington at Washington was the only game this entire second half where they've still looked like a dominant offensive team. Other than that, you've got, you know, two games, the jets just completely handed them with uh, Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon playing quarterback. You've got the Dallas game. That was a nice win, but they barely squeaked it out last week. And then that weird ass Monday night, Tennessee loss that I just thought game was over for four minutes left. I turned it off. And all of a sudden it was the first time that's actually happened to me. In, in a long time where I turned the game off and the other team won. Uh, and then you have this one where they just get completely outclassed. So all, I mean, this is a long winded way of saying, like, I, I think I'm out on Miami. I think, you know, unless 
they get like fully healthy, all guns blazing, Waddle, Mostert, A-Chan back to the A-Chan he was early in the season, which he hasn't looked like lately, then I don't trust, you know, somewhat hobbled Tyreek still and Tua who hasn't looked confident in the last five or six weeks. I don't trust that to make a deep playoff run at all. No, I don't I don't I don't think you can. This is not the uh this is not the same team that we thought it was a few uh, e- even a month ago at this point. It's kind of crazy. The, the fact that they were able to squeak out a win against Dallas last week is still surprising to me. This is still a team that could win games, and Mike McDaniel is still a very good coach, but it just – you wish it had the same juice. For sure. I mean – there's, there's just little moments like when Tyreek drops the ball in the end zone with nobody around him. Like that wasn't that wasn't happening to them a couple months ago. They've they've just lost some of their swagger, and I don't know. It's like the Eagles. I don't know how they're going to get that back in time for a deep playoff run against you know all the other best teams going around that are playing their best ball right now. So we'll monitor them. Uh, and on the NFC side, if we're talking about what's still to play for, it's it's a lot more cut and dry. To be honest with you, it's pretty much just uh, the NFC South that still needs to get decided, which, you know, we've been we've been all over all season. Very excited about American ball right there, brother. (laughs) Good ball. Uh, Basically, the Bucks just have to beat the Panthers and they got it. Uh, So not super exciting. But, hey, maybe there's a world where Bryce plays his best game. And if they lose and the Saints win, they obviously can sneak in uh, Tampa or New Orleans, and then if they both lose, there is still a, a world where we get Arthur Smith in the playoffs. So I think we all just assume that Tampa's beaten Carolina this week, but never know after the way they played for the first three quarters this week. Uh, the more interesting scenario, of course, is the seventh seed where the Packers control their own destiny, their game against the Bears, who have looked very plucky lately. They've got to handle the Bears. And then if they do not, the Seahawks with a win and a a loss from those Packers can clinch the seventh seed. So that's pretty much all there is. But uh, are any of those teams still uh, noteworthy in your mind heading into the playoffs if they do make it? Packers are weird. Packers are weird and frisky. Uh, I kind of like them. No defense should be mentioned. No defense. No defense. (laughs) Uh, If you're not playing Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall – I don't feel great about the Packers defense going up against anybody in the NFC, unfortunately, because I do enjoy watching them play, you know, watching them control the football on offense. Yeah, it's the floor is floor's putting on a masterclass offensively. Uh, I can't believe there was one graphic I saw. Uh, I think Bleacher Report had it uh, where. Jordan Love's first year in the league has already surpassed the best statistical bear season ever. Oh my God. Uh, by a quarterback. <laughs> like he's already he's already surpassed the single season passing yard record and the single season touchdown record for a Bears quarterback. A uh, passing touchdown. Uh, I don't know if rushing touchdowns. Uh, alter those numbers. But God, he's hooping. Can the Bears, I mean, just just get the Packers out of the playoffs? That's It's exactly what the Lions did last year, right? It's like, we can't make it, right. but we can, we can dump a fat one all over your hopes right now. And that's, 
I, that would that would almost be enough, I think, if I were a Bears fan. That would make my season. And they clinched the number one pick yesterday. So optimism is high. I still think, I, I mean, that, that Fields, we, we actually talked about it before the show started, so it bears repeating. Justin Fields, despite looking really good lately, is still one of only five quarterbacks ever to, like, fully start their first three years and have a negative passing DYR at all of them. So – I don't know if what he's done recently is enough to make you think like Justin Fields is worth rolling the dice on for one more year when you have the ability to go out and get your guy number one overall, but he's at least make himself look like a real tasty prize for the Pittsburghs and Atlantas of the world next year. If he goes. God, New England Patriot, Justin Fields. It's got a well, nice ring to it. No, it doesn't. <laughs> don't, don't lie to yourself. Uh, it's got a better ring to it than Bailey Zappy Mac Jones. I guess I've just really been uh, – it's it's Stockholm Syndrome at this point with me and Patriots quarterbacking since Brady. I don't know. I don't know what I want anymore. Yeah, and it's – we're better off not knowing at this point. We're better mm-hmm. off just figuring it out as it comes. Uh, asking so talk me through – you You were the one explaining last week. The Patriots, if they and the Commanders both lose, the odds are the Commanders will still maintain the second pick in the draft, or will that go to the Patriots because of the strength of record tiebreaker? The strength of record tiebreaker on Tankathon is weird because it only updates – like I had thought that – I had thought that the uh, strength of record tiebreaker would have meant – that the uh, uh, Cardinals leapfrogged us, or, or the Cardinals' loss essentially meant nothing. Uh, and it still doesn't make a ton of sense to me as to why they fell from uh, from number one to number four uh, with this. Because they have lost, bless you, have lost to the – uh, commanders, but the strength of schedule pushes them all the way back to four. So they still have like a super high strength of schedule at 0.562. Uh, and that's using all, I don't think it does because it says that strength of schedule is using all 17 opponents, but the loss to Dallas will obviously give Dallas a higher winning percentage and like boost it up. But right now it is a separation of three one thousandths of a, uh, of a uh, percent. So it's collectively collective, collectively. I don't know how it sort of shakes out. I mean, you can't even tell, right? Because like, for example, you're thinking about who they play this week, but the Patriots have the Broncos on their schedule, right? So whether they beat the Raiders or not impacts their strength of schedule. There's there's (laughs) games where, you know, both teams that are playing have played the Pats and there's games where only one team played the Pats. So there's, there's too much still to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to math it out. We're like, it helps that the Patriots and commanders, played each other and that the two teams divisions played each other as well. Uh, so there's a knowledge base there, but I, and I don't think head to head tiebreaker matters for the sake of separating like two to four in this case, because the Cardinals played Washington. 
and Washington beat the Cardinals. But they're below the Cardinals in the rankings. That was a week. That was that week one game. Remember? Oh, I remember. Uh, yeah, and they beat New England too. So I don't know why they're in front of both of them per se. But like, if we're just doing collective scheduling, there's a lot of there's a lot of math, and there is still, if both teams lose, roll the dice. We could have a circumstance shake out where the Patriots make up three one thousandth of a point and supersede the Washington Commanders on uh, on Sunday night in Week 18. But, yeah. man, it's going to be interesting. Or Jacoby could just ball. You never know. But, I hope uh, – listen, I would love nothing more than Jacoby Brissett to ball. I wrote, I wrote up the uh, – <laughs> I, I think the, the title of my last uh, – Football Outsiders, uh, uh, any given Sunday article was called uh, "Everything, <laughs> Everything Everywhere Goes Wrong for Dallas All at Once," which shows you the specific time, and it was in reference to the Sam Howell Week 18 game against the Cowboys, where mm-hmm. it just completely fell apart for them. I don't think it had any. I think they were still playing for some sort of. Marginal seating. Uh, I, I I think division was out of hand at that point, but it was like a five versus six. Uh, so like Dak was still playing; they still had legit guys playing. Uh, and Howell just balled, and I'm I'm hoping Jacoby can ball because I McCarthy has some stink on. Like he could he could foul this up with ease if he so chooses. He really could, uh, and. Ironically enough, you've got the uh, you're, you're taking away Sam Howell's chances to make history here, which is uh, you know a real bummer. He's he was in line for all sorts of records, uh, sacks and uh, interceptions and whatnot, and they they've all just been gone by the wayside now that Brissett's coming in. I guess he did slow his sack pace down pretty significantly, so he wasn't going to touch the all-time single season record, but. Uh, yeah, number of turnovers. It was it was a pretty historic season that Sam Howell was putting together. That's uh, being ruined at the hands of uh, a week eighteen Jacoby Brissett appearance. So I hope it at least nets the Patriots the number two pick in the draft. Uh, these are teams that we're uh, we're gonna keep talking about if you're ready for it, Kale. New Year's resolutions. It is January first. Shouts to us. We made it. Twenty twenty four. Some of us made it. Disease. Some of us made it. Coming out of diseases, but here we are. Uh, Want to make some resolutions for some really crappy NFL teams, Kale? Goddamn right I do. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the eliminated teams. So it worked out pretty nicely that there are 12 officially eliminated teams. Uh, a lot of teams that are pretty damn close to eliminated, but not officially. So they will not be getting resolutions this year. Uh, and the first team, the team that has been eliminated I guess you could say the most recently and certainly <laughs> for the best record of the eliminated teams is uh, it's those Cincinnati Bengals, Kale. They were uh, they were looking good until they weren't anymore. Uh, in the last two weeks, made it fall apart. So talk me through how the Cincinnati Bengals are going to restore prominence in the year of our Lord 2024. You're going to throw on some Marie Kondo. Uh, they're going to. Just learn the act of tidying up and 
they're gonna they're gonna learn to live with less. Uh, this was a team that, uh, you know, again these are seat of the pants like last week. I, I'm I'm am fine off top. Don't I'm excited about this. I forgot to preface that. That's how my brain works this week. Uh, but yeah, they're gonna learn to live with less. This is a team that used to have uh, just a just a, a, a whole gaggle of secondary talent, uh, really strong defense. Uh, an up-and-coming defensive coordinator, three legit receivers, a starting quarterback, good offensive line, a rookie contract, running back. Uh, a lot of those things are coming to term. Uh, T. Higgins, pretty much gone. Uh, the safety's already gone. Uh, Joe Mixon, uh, likely gone. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things coming to pass and Cincinnati is going to need to get leaner and more creative. Hey, Luna and Arumo might be going too. like, this is a team that's going to have to learn to love what they have, uh, learn to appreciate what they have and learn to maximize uh, the usefulness of what they have. I like it. It's minimalism is really what it is. It's uh, it's just shedding the excesses of the early 2020s and just, you know, really, rebirthing their mid 2020s as to, you know, understanding what their essentials are and really, you know, learning to cherish what it is that they need and letting go of all those excesses. So that's, that's the Cincinnati Bengals folks. Uh, next up, another eight and eight team, drastically different future situation. It's the Denver Broncos. Now we know about the public situation with Russell Wilson on his way out. Uh, my resolution is just commitment, I think. And, you know, that that commitment can be scary when you just made a bad commitment, right? Like they they gave up a lot of assets in the Russell Wilson deal. They hitched their wagon to the wrong post. And when that happens, that can be really scary to put yourself back in the market. But the Broncos have a, a decently talented team. And we know the Chiefs are, you know, certainly not on their way up in the AFC West. We know that division can be had by the right team next year. So, you know, whether that's the trade market, whether that's the draft, you know, the, the Broncos have got to, you know, really find their leading man this offseason. So I think it's just a real simple, their their resolution has to be commitment. You know, formulate a new plan, stick to the plan, trust your guy. Learn to love again. Exactly. Put yourself out there. Take chances, Broncos. You got to be ready to get hurt. Exactly. Next up, the Las Vegas Raiders. It's I, – I think there's a certain sense in coming to terms with who you are. And who you are is not a very good football team. And it's, it's not mean. It's not mean, but – Cycled through a, a healthy number of head coaches since the uh, departure of uh, one John Gruden. Uh, things haven't gone great. Uh, even like even pre-Gruden, uh, things were pretty bad, uh, undesirable. Uh, you're pretty wayward at the moment. Uh, you gotta you gotta embrace who you are for a little bit. You gotta stink it up. But more importantly, got to embrace AP. You got to embrace Antonio Pierce. 
he is in a way that I don't think is like toxic for lack of a better term. He's bringing back good old fashioned Raider ball. The autumn wind is a pirate, right? Like I am getting those vibes again. I am getting nasty. I am getting black hole. I am getting like, like good old fashioned Raiders ball. Jack Jones, uh, Jack Jones stealing balls from kids or, or fake giving balls to kids, I guess. Scars in the locker room. Uh, it feels old school. It feels nasty. It feels fun. There's not a lot of success when it comes to bringing the interim in. Uh, it's a losing record all time. Uh, very few teams make the playoffs. Uh, like, there's not a strong track record to it. But and we also it. haven't seen it in a while. I mean, the last one was Freddie Kitchens. You beg you, beg you to respect Joe Tom, uh, Jim Tom Sula. Uh, I, yeah, I guess I can't think of any more. Uh, but these are uh, these are an eclectic group, uh, and, and Antonio Pierce is a special leader of men. Uh, I think he's I think he's done great work so far in Detroit and I hope he continues to uh, get the opportunity in Detroit. I don't know uh, what that was, yeah. <laughs> I, I was looking at something blue in the corner. I wasn't even looking at Detroit. Uh, he's done great work in Vegas. Vegas. I'm losing my mind. Uh, he just deserves more work. It's a, It's a real like, you know, Stop trying to be what others, you know, try to project onto you. You know, people try to reform the Raiders, et cetera. Just be who you are. That's uh, that's what they've always been when they've been successful throughout their history, which admittedly has been a while. So just just be the Raiders and embrace it. I think that's very fair. Uh, moving on to the Chicago Bears. My only resolution for the Chicago Bears, who are now 7-9, and nine, uh, which – is the best record they've had since that playoff season uh, where they lost the Nickelodeon game with Trubisky. So already improving in many degrees, but I think the only resolution I want to make for them is just make a decision. You know, who's your guy? Who's your quarterback at number one? Yes. We've, we've seen what happens when you're indecisive and it's the Carolina Panthers right now. Uh, and it's David Tepper throwing drinks on people in Jacksonville uh, after fully admitting they uh, traded up for that number one pick, having no idea who they were taking. So, you know, you've had, I mean, the clock starts now. You've got five months, essentially. Pick your guy, stick to your guy, be confident in that decision behind your guy and build the right roster, most importantly, for your guy to be successful. So I don't fully know which of the two, is the ideal fit for that Bears roster right now or the ideal fit for that organization long-term. But I just, I resolve to have that decision made and be confident, have have vindication uh, and conviction behind that decision. You just need someone. Like, like you just, you've, you've, been a lot, you've been around for 102 years at this point. There's no need, there's no need to still be bad at quarterback. You just need somebody. It's pretty much, yeah. You just need some, just literally just a body. Like just a guy who could play quarterback and a guy that you could put confidence in. The fact that keeping Eberflus around should show that there there just needs to be 
new voice in the building in some regard. I, like they'll never sell the Bears. I think that we're talking about selling the Bears at some point. I don't know. Uh, but until that team just goes new ownership top down, it'll it'll just continue to exist in this unimportant middle ground of NFL history. Yeah, and part of that resolution too is it's kind of the same thing with uh, the Denver one where it's like don't be afraid to put yourself back out there, you know, even uh, knowing that you got hurt the last time. The last time they drafted a first-round quarterback from North Carolina did not break their way. So you can't be afraid to dip back into that same, you know, dating pool if that is indeed your guy because, you know, Carolina QBs are knocking once again. Yes, they are. <laughs> they are knocking, and this one's better. <laughs> this one is better, we think. But you never know until he's out there. Uh, so that's the Chicago Bears. Kale, next up, I mean, obviously you had to take this team. It's the New York Jets. Learn to let go. Like, that's the one I want to get <laughs> to the Patriots, but, like, learn to let go. You, you, you fucked up. Let's be real. The Rodgers... Rogers was was in in singularity a good idea. The eight months that followed, the accompanying GM decisions, uh, and the isolated incident of injury uh, were bad. Just the isolated incident you can't control. You controlled everything else, though. Could have shut Rogers up. You could have, uh, you could have, you know, put your foot down and drafted guys that complemented an offense, or, or, or sorry, sign guys that complemented an offense more, or, uh, you know, didn't bring in Nathaniel Hackett. Like I understand you can't remove Rogers from those decisions, but those were all bad. Those were all bad, and you can't do those. Uh, it's not that you can't. You chose you not to. You shouldn't. You can. You saw that you could. But, like, by the end of the year, Lazard is a healthy scratch. Like, it's kind of useless. Uh, and those are problems. Uh, now, this is now a team that, at our current understanding, will pretty much run it back with Robert Sala and Joe Douglas. Uh you are putting Salah on an unnecessarily hot seat. Like he's he's he flipped a league worst defense and turned it into a consistent top five contending defense uh, with one of the better, probably best defensive lines outside of San Francisco. Uh, I'd say, I'd say top I'd say top three. Uh, I'd, I'd maybe throw Dallas in that mix too. Uh, you have an elite cornerback uh, rotation. Um, safeties are hit or miss. Uh, like you, you've put together a, 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 a you know a once in a a once in a decade kind of defense uh, for your team. As did Joe Douglas, but Joe Douglas has also like made a bunch of bad decisions. Salas made a bunch of bad coaching decisions. Uh, with regards to how this offense is operated, there's a reason that the East had, you know, multiple iterations of uh, 
of offensive coordinators in the building, and none of them have been able to produce anything. Uh, Joe Douglas should be blamed for not having ever built an offensive line or uh, not taking the fault of drafting Zach Wilson in the surf, uh, first place, but uh, the hubris of forcing him to start and thinking that he would uh, – or, or forcing him to start over taking a backup quarterback, thinking you would be able to recoup draft value for him in the offseason uh, is hubris and has eventually led to the downfall of this team. Now you're just running back everything. Don't do that. Let go. See, I, I almost go the other way. I almost wonder if that's a 2025 resolution because uh, I think – Letting go in in this sense, like if you're letting go of Rogers, you know what are what are Douglas and Salah still around for? You know, like, that's what, what I'm saying. They, what are they getting for next year? So you're just letting go of everything this year. You're not I'm running just, it back one more time at all. I, the, the Jets are, the Jets are hanging on a string, and I'm I'm saying free fall. I think I don't. I, I mean, I don't see a title in their future, obviously, but I think this season is almost their uh, 2021 Rams season where it's like, okay, we know the process has been bad. We know that how we've gotten to this current roster construction is bad, and we will probably have to pay the piper at some point. But, you know, let's let this thing ride this year and maybe in the one once in a blue moon chances that the Rams got in 2021, you luck your way into some postseason success. Not even a title necessarily, but it's been so long since the Jets have won a playoff game. It's like, hey, if that's what we accomplished this year, then it's, you know, enough of a success. And then we can get rid of Aaron on our terms, potentially. We'll see from there. Uh, but try, try to get rid of Zach on their terms, and it, it hasn't totally paid off. No. Look, hitching your wagon to Aaron Rodgers is always going to be a, a difficult thing to come back from at this stage of his career. You know, it was – we knew that there would be potential ramifications, and we thought – that you know him playing winning football uh, with the rest of the roster they construct would be enough. So things went so obviously awry this year that it mucks up the plans. But uh, they, they're, I still feel like they're in that spot they were last year. They've they've kind of tied their their fortunes to them. So uh, we'll see if they can somehow get out of it, as you suggest. That's uh, that's worth aspiring to. There's no doubt about that. Now, the Tennessee Titans are next on our list. I find it very difficult to make a resolution for a team uh, that doesn't really know what its future looks like, doesn't know who is going to be playing for the team. Uh, I wish for the Titans is just a, a complete teardown. I think I think they have to resolve to stink next year and like completely just rebuild this whole thing from scratch. My resolution is let go of any hopes you had from, you know, two, three years ago, sneaking into the playoffs somehow, just reset the clock. You've got a good coach. You don't have much else. Just be bad for a year and hope that that helps you become better for the future. I, Jackson, frankly, couldn't disagree more. Oh, boy. I, my exact revolution was just, your resolution was just going to be just have fun. Just let loose. Let your hair down. You got Mayo. You got Mayo diet at quarterback. You got you know, offensive lines not great. Weapons aren't great. Derrick Henry is hitting the sticks, but you got Tajay Spears out there. Uh, real fun. 
uh, dual threat running back, hyper athletic. Uh, you got a, a defense that is extremely strong in the front seven, but not so much in the uh, secondary. Uh, and you don't really have a, a ton of pass catchers, but you're, you're in year one of a new GM. Uh, what you've seen out of Levis has been okay, uh, especially given the circumstance of the group that he's with. Hopkins did some interesting things this year, uh, and you've got him there for a hot minute. Uh, like your best draft hit's been Nick Westbrook Akine, uh, UDF receiver. Uh, best draft hit wasn't a draft hit. Yeah. Uh, Trail, I mean, like Traylon Burks has been a, an absolute no-show uh, since you've drafted him, and he's he's approaching to kill Harry status. But you got no pressure to make him work. You could try to make him work, and I would advise trying to make him work. But like Chigakonkwo is awesome. You got DeAndre Hopkins. You got like you you got a you got a legit fine core in there with the deepest wide receiver draft in in. You know, a, a, a hot, hot minute. Just, just have fun. Ball out. Like, just, just try and lean into something. All right. Well, I, I almost feel like our, our two different resolutions are almost heading in the same direction. I feel like uh, the Titans are heading for a, a rebuild. And that's I'm okay. just, I'm just saying, if it's bad, it'll show itself. Mm. Like, this isn't. It's not a team with these like. Tennessee is not New England. Tennessee is not Kansas City. Tennessee is not even even in New York, where it is a city big enough to have high expectations. This is not a, a franchise of pedigree. This is not a franchise of anything. This is a franchise that's got a, a kick-ass $2 billion stadium complex coming in the next five years. Asses need to be put in seats. This is a team that just needs to literally be fun. Uh, and they can try and be fun. And if they, and if in trying to be fun with a good head coach and a, a, a scrappy group of dudes does not pan out, then, yeah, you suck by default. Like, that's the thing. You weren't too far away from sucking anyway. Just try and make it work with what you got. Yeah. I mean, they still need to supplement a lot. If they, if the rebuild is going to be like a two-year process, like this is the year you find out if, if Levis is a guy and you get two linemen, a receiver, and probably a tight end too, and just try and stack the deck on offense because you know you have enough interesting pieces defensively to like put together a coherent defense especially with Frable at the helm but the offense is a pretty big mess right now and obviously line and receiver are like the two where it's barren wasteland uh save for an aging DeAndre Hopkins so regardless of what the resolution is like I guess the resolution is just like invest heavily in the offense uh, in addition to, you know, probably stinking next year and giving yourself the best chance at a, uh, you know, a home run pick in 2025. So we'll, we'll see where all of that leads. Uh, but that leads us into the second half uh, of these teams. And by George, it's the Los Angeles chargers. Kale, what, 
what can you cook up for them? Uh, uh, the 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 joke I the joke I want to make is not good for air, and I won't say it. <laughs> uh, God, man, uh, just not. I keep wanting to just say like let go because I'm I'm saving let go for New England. Uh, I used it for the Jets, so I'm not really saving it. But like this this isn't let go of like just give up on like your shit, just like for your current situation, uh, and, and like you know take the loss where you had it. This is more a, a larger letting go of past events. Uh, the. The Chargers bad mojo, the the sage cleansing of SoFi that we have, have long spoken about. I know it was MetLife, but we've definitely we definitely mentioned that the Chargers need some um, some spiritual cleansing. Uh, it, this is a team with a with a rough rough uh, go of things of late, and they need. Uh, they need help. They need. They need something. This is a full. This this is a this is a roster it needs a full rebuild, and their windows officially close with Herbert. Uh, and if you can let go of that, and if you can try and rebuild on the fly, if you can make Quentin Johnson and and Mike Williams and a, a receiver this year work, awesome. Uh, if you can't, that's a problem. Uh, if you can let go of Ack, awesome. If you, you can continue to not hit on running backs the way you have. That's a problem. Uh, if you can work with uh, the, you know, poor defensive talent you've acquired over the past few years, awesome. If you can't, that's a problem. But don't let your past define you. Move forward with clear, with a clear mind and vigilant eyes. Just be present in the moment and stop dwelling on. Uh, what an absolute horror house your entire franchise is. Yeah, this is the, like, try new things team for me. This is the, like, maybe take up meditation or yoga or, like, some random outdoor hobby like horseback riding or just become a really intense hiker. Uh, they just need, they, you know, most of the same people are going to be there, uh, at least, you know, on like the high end sides of, you know, offense and defense, obviously they're going to cut some dead weight and guys like Eckler, uh, guys like Keenan Allen, et cetera. But I mean, Herbert's going to be there. Bosa and, you know, Khalil Mack and most of the secondary, like they're still going to be around. Uh, so just re- see what you can do to reinvigorate yourself, you know, new mantras, new, new, uh, you know, like you said, new, new spiritual uh, existence. Uh, and that can help lead this team uh, to rediscovering themselves a little bit uh, and no longer being the uh, the team that everybody laughs at because they choke all the time. That's uh, that's the end goal. And I think the only way to do that is to try and reinvent themselves. So with that in mind, I mean, candidates for reinvention, the New York Giants are pretty high on the list too. You know, coming off a of playoff berth, it was – it was one of the quickest destructions of goodwill I think I've ever seen uh, from a team to their fan base. It was pretty much just one game and uh, the entirety of last season was forgotten and Giants fans were back in their misery. And the only thing that could rescue them at all 
from any of their misery this year was like three weeks of just, Hey, this guy's really Italian and we can get behind that. Cause we're a bunch of us are super Italian too. So uh, my resolution for the 2024 New York giants is uh, let's just, let's just clean house and get to 2025. Uh, the Daniel Jones contract was bad. You can get out of it after this year, just cut bait and move on after this year. This year's going to be bad. I don't see any way around it. Uh, maybe try to find a receiver because you still haven't. For five years. Uh, I don't hate Jalen Hyatt, but he's not a wide receiver one. So, you know, try to improve at the margins and then, you know, admit your mistake and cut bait with Daniel Jones after the season. We also don't know if he's not a wide receiver one because also wide receivers not nearly their biggest need relative to, you know, getting a tackle. Uh, at least he'll be able to get a tackle in this draft now that uh, – now that, God, this is really going to be another three quarterback draft, huh? Uh, I can't believe we're having another one of those. Uh, the like, at least we'll be able to get Olu, who's who's transcendent. Joe Alt is up there as well. I'm pumped for uh, this mock right now uh, from Tankathon. Has a three court like is actually a sick. Like we did Christmas gifts. Or whatever one adds a few weeks ago, the top six, the top seven for this right now, frankly, uh, outside of the three quarterbacks, four because uh, we've talked about most of these teams already, or uh, not some of them, but we will at some point. Uh, four Marvin Harrison to the Cardinals, five Olu to the Giants, six Joe Alt to the Chargers, seven Malik Neighbors to the Titans. That's about as good as you can ask for for all of the teams that we have already talked about here. Some good gifts. Santa's still around. He's giving that good gifts, exactly my friend. What all of those teams need. Mm-hmm. If you need defensive talent, there isn't as much in this draft, but God, you'll be able to find it in spades because <laughs> straight up uh, 10 of the first 11 picks on this board are offensive that's you're going to be able to get a haul if you're a team in defensive need well while we're on the subject of all these teams that need things uh cardinals are up next and i mean you just put marvin harrison on their team so i don't know if that equates to a resolution but but find me a resolution and whether or not that involves him in the building it's just it's the resolution there is just you know have faith. Have, have faith in who you are as a team and like build an ethos around yourself because what you have right now could be a fun football team. John Gannon has done a solid job so far. We we did the Steichen thing again where we kind of laughed at him being a weirdo and then realized like, hey, he's a pretty solid football coach uh but this is a team that is is pretty barren will continue to accrue talent i we we're putting marvin harrison on him i bet you the rest of this uh draft is just the cardinals adding defensive talent uh yeah i've already seen two two defensive line picks and a uh and Kool-Aid McKinstry 
mm-hmm. from Alabama at 17 for these guys. So they are going all in on a defense. Do you have uh, two first rounders? That is nice. Yes. Uh, the you just you just need to be able to define what you want as a franchise, who you are, and, and more importantly, like stay true to that identity. You know, don't let the haters get to you. Don't say, "Oh, you need you need a new quarterback," or you're out of position for a quarterback. You won a game, and it's thankful you won a game. You don't need a quarterback. You need you have Kyler Murray on this massive deal. Play with him, build around him, um, keep building an offensive line for him. Keep putting uh, players like Marvin Harrison Jr. around him and stockpile a defense while you can. Uh, you, you need to keep going to the well with cheap young offensive talent and, frankly, cheap young offensive linemen too. Uh, they count as talent, but talent's always referred to skill position players. Uh, just, just stick with this. Like, like, really ride this out. You, you're in this bag for a few years. Stick with this. That's all I want. Just stay true and have faith. Now, that one flies very much in the face of uh, the one that we're about to do. And uh, I know it's my turn, but uh, you've already teased this, I think, two or three times throughout the course of the segment. Uh, It is New England Patriots time, and I think we can uh, collectively say this one together. Let go. go. It's time. It's just just time to to be a new team, a new franchise. Honestly, my resolution might be, uh, you know, Pat the Patriot, no more, uh, no more flying Elvis. That was that was Brady and Belichick's thing. I think uh, we might need a new brand in in addition to uh, just a new overall team ethos and uh, roster construction. Uh, I, it's the let go is more about Belichick. I don't think it's totally roster construction. I do think there's on one side of the ball, it's not. I agree with that. But I do I, – I, regionality has some necessity in a game. It's the reason why Chicago – it's part of the reason why Chicago's never had a good quarterback because weather, uh, that, that stadium next to uh, uh, the Great Lake that I cannot remember. Is it superior there? I don't know. I'm pretty sure that would be Michigan. Whatever. Uh, are they – they're not eerie too, are they? No, I'm saying Lake Michigan. It's Lake Lake Michigan for Illinois? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. All right. (laughs) All right. Don't lie to me. Uh, No, I believe you. Uh, But it's it's part of the reason why they've always been defense and run heavy. It's it's unfortunately a part of their uh, environment, uh, and they own it. The – thing with that is like I, th- I think you still need like you need to be able to throw down the field and you need to be able to play some ball uh i don't know i don't i don't i don't know where this trend thought was going they yeah let go let go let go fine you know after after you get Jaden daniels because you're not getting drake may at this point get i don't know who's gonna be left the Xavier Worthy is the guy from the Xavier Leggett. He could be available. Uh, they got Troy Flank from, from Oregon going. I'd love to. I'd love to trade back up and go get Odunes, but 
the fallacy of uh, is Odun's trading up ever going to be better than the collective assets you use to trade up? It's always a problem, but someone's going to be desperate enough. See if you can throw in legit personnel talent instead of giving up future assets. We'll see. Yeah. But, Trade one of the 19 good defensive players you have to try and improve the many other needs uh, across the Baron roster. Now, I mean, the last two are maybe the toughest tasks of all, but we can try. New Year's resolution for the Washington Commanders. Uh, more Major Tutty. I, where is he, Gail? I haven't heard from him. I think... Uh, I need I need Major Tutty at my birthday party. I need Major Tutty uh, at ribbon cutting ceremonies. I I just need more of him. I think uh, you know, just just forge forward under the the strong hand of Tutty, uh, and and this team can can be great once more. Do you? Once more, because they've been great, obviously. Uh, I. Agree. Uh, I I would like them to keep the uh, enemy in house, and I I'm curious to see how this process will eventually go with the enemy and their eventual decision on Ron Rivera. Because I want them, I want them to keep this offense up because they're just throwing at a crazy rate. They're being hoopers, hoopers. Uh, I just want them to keep the course on that. And I don't know how it bodes in the future. I don't either, but I mean, like, like seen what Casey Watson, looks like without the enemy. So obviously losing him is, is not really the answer for anyone at this stage of uh, their offensive development. So I'm, I'm in with you on that part of the plan for sure. I'm just saying like Jahan Dotson's a good ass receiver. Rod Robinson's a good running back. Sure is. Just neither like neither of them maximize their full potential because the offensive line's bad and the quarterback's bad. Terry McLaurin could be a top twenty guy in the league, and he's okay because he, for whatever reason, is is you know getting thrown balls by Sam Howell. But Jacoby Brissett earlier, who knows? But. I don't know. We'll we'll see how things go. I would enjoy Caleb Williams on this team. I think that would be fun. I don't think many things about the Commanders throughout the past ten years have been fun, uh, but this franchise was fun the last time they drafted a quarterback number two overall. So if that's where they are and they take another one here, I'm in. I equal. I equally think Drake May would be just as fun, and I'm I'm so pumped that. Uh, I'm genuinely so pumped that Jaden Daniels is going to be a New England Patriot, even though it's Drake May. Because I just think Jaden Daniels is like hyper athletic, and uh, if the Commanders were in the spot at three, uh, they would probably be taking Jaden Daniels, and that would be bad because you just brought up RG three, and I thought about FedEx Field. Well, nobody wants to play on FedEx Field turf, uh, to be very, very clear, uh, but. Equally, nobody might want to play for the Panthers. Uh, and without a first-round pick to turn to, and as much as I want the resolution to just be, you know, 
David Tepper sell the team challenge. I, I want to be uh, within the realms of, of realistic improvements here. So, boy, where are we? Where are we siding with the Carolina Panthers? I David Tepper spell to sell, ah, David Tepper sell the team speed run has a good ring to it because uh, he's getting close there. Uh, I'd like to see him do it. Uh, will he? I don't know. Uh, but God, it'd be awesome. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what a good resolution that is. It's just, listen, man, sometimes you have down years. Sometimes you have down years and you use New Year's as the time to say, I'm going to, I'm going to reinvent myself. I'm going to get really into turquoise. I'm going to buy that gym membership. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to, you know, find the girl. I'm going to just, I'm going to do it all this year. It's going to be my year. And frankly, that level of disillusion, or just pure, not disillusion, but just delusion, has to be the Panthers' mindset. That has to be what their headspace is in 2024 because – Frankly, they need it because they don't look like you're going uphill anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> that delusion. That's that's the word. I, I think uh, just tell yourself this is going to be a good year. And maybe it's not. And maybe every single person involved with the team is gone in a year's time. But since those are the people they have now, just trick yourself into thinking you can be good. And maybe there's a world where you can be okay. So I like that ending. I think that's a, that's a happy enough note to end on a transition to game balls, if I do say so myself. And I'll uh, I'll let you take the reins on offense. Yeah, I'm going Jordan Love. Uh, I think the stat was in his last seven or eight games. He's 16 touchdowns, one interception. Uh, and like I I throw around Hooper pretty. Uh, Pretty flippantly. Jordan Love is hooping. Uh, last night, one of his better of the season, 245, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, keeping. Or sorry, that's his first game of the season. I flipped the box. <laughs> <or two. laughs> Wasn't too far off. 256, three touchdowns on 24 for 33, zero interceptions. Uh, it was, God, it was damn close. A lot more accurate. Really? 72.7%. Uh, a... Uh, second high, or third highest uh, accuracy. I'm just looking at pro football reference stuff. Uh, he's just playing good ball. Additional rushing touchdown there too. I completely forgot about that. Uh, an athletic one because that tip barely got over the line. Right. Uh, he's just playing awesome, man. It, it is. He is on a damn good streak of football, and it's the last seven games. This is a 16 one, by the way. The Packers are just playing like they've found their guy again. And I'm not saying he's generational. I'm not saying he's Hall of Fame like Rodgers and Favre are. But like, this is about as good as you could have asked for from Jordan Love in, in year four slash year one. Yeah, I mean, 19 touchdowns to three picks uh, since their run of better play began as a team. So that's in the last nine games, 19-3. and three. 
Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, yeah, the team is six and three in those nine games. So you can work with this. You really can. Uh, I mean, obviously you want to see him in the playoffs this year. So uh, the number one objective is, is beat the bears and get to the playoffs. And they haven't had trouble beating the bears in the past as a franchise. So uh, I almost feel like this, this game ball is like bestowing trust in Jordan love to go out and do that this week and get himself that playoff experience. Cause they'll be better for it moving forward. So an excellent use of game ball there. Uh, we just moved from a team that put themselves in position to make the playoffs. I'll go to a team that did make the playoffs. And Kyron Williams has been balling for a while now, uh, really establishing himself as one of the, I would say, four or five most explosive runners in the league since he came back from injury. And three touchdowns this week. That's all the touchdowns the Rams offense scored, uh, propelling them into the playoffs. So with all that in mind, actually, I lied. They had four touchdowns and they just missed uh, an extra point and missed a two. Uh, but anyway, three of the four touchdowns and uh, they needed every single one of them in a one point win against the Giants. Uh, he's just been balling. Like I said, he had the one weird game where he had great stats, but he also had the two fumbles. And other than that, he's pretty much just been excellent. Always. He didn't didn't have 100 yards on the ground yesterday, which is kind of rare for him lately. Uh, but, I mean, who else had three touchdowns at the running back or receiver or tight end position yesterday? Nobody that I can think of. So it's it's got to be Kyron. He Kyron, Kyron help me bring – just just put bread on the table of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, bring home a, a fantasy championship uh, alongside Jerome Ford. Uh, we're leaving out. Uh, the Browns beat down on the Jets uh, from Thursday night. But uh, Kyron's been awesome, man. Kyron's been legit really good. Uh, Super, super impressed by what he's been – what he has done this year. Yeah, Um, just what he brings to that offense, how much more dynamic they can be when they're able to throw it and run at the higher, higher success rates that they have since he's been back. Super explosive back, uh, just very fun, very fun to watch. Defense, want me to go? I'll go. I'll take. Uh, I'll take Will Anderson. I, I know that uh, we're talking about going up against a Tennessee QB tandem. Uh, that both, you know, I mean, Tannehill was okay, I guess, after he came in, but you know, game was already well over at that point. Uh, Will Levis had a five point three QBR and got hurt, but. Still needs to be said that uh, Will Anderson's just been doing stuff on on both sides of the ball for quite some time now. Now, uh, in this specific game, if I can find his uh, stats, can I? Oh, there he is. Yes, two sacks, two sacks, two other tackles for loss, three quarterback hits. Uh, like I don't know, it's just kind of it's it's kind of crept on us. Like, oh yeah, they drafted this guy number three overall, and he was you know being somewhat impactful early in the season, but I mean, his first big play came on special teams in like week three uh, and, you know, the sacks weren't coming at first, but now he's really kind of, you know, started to settle into that, you know, high first round talent that we knew he could be. Uh, And this Texans defense, as good as it can be now, uh, needs to be, you know, really good for the future because their window is just beginning to open up. And, uh, you know, this is, this is a guy that's probably going to be, one of the biggest parts of that. So up to seven sacks on the year, I'll, I'll take Willie A. 
pretty much the only D Roy I can I can super think of. No, I guess Jalen Carter. Uh, it'll probably be uh, Carter on that Philly defense, but okay. Anderson is definitely, definitely deserving of consideration uh, of recognition uh, for the year that he has had. Because uh, he's balling. He's balling indeed. Uh, my Actually, it'll be a tough contest. He's at, he's. I thought he was a lot higher. He's at six. Uh, I don't. I want to. I'm curious to see what uh, the tackle position though that goes farther. So, yeah, uh, I'm. I'm just curious to see how it shakes out, like pressures wise, like what he's doing initially, uh, run stops he's had, et cetera. How he could sort of build that case out. But uh, my offensive game ball uh, goes to a guy who. Kind of, kind of single-handedly put uh, Arthur Smith in his back pocket, uh, and that is this is purely a. Uh, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Razul Douglas uh, for the pick six against the Patriots and additional three uh, passes defensed uh, or pass deflections. I guess I don't know if they do pass deflections or passes defensed here uh, in ESPN box scores, but three of those. Uh, <laughs> Long day. Uh, but Tyreek Stevenson, Chicago Bears. This is purely a box score uh, game ball award, I will admit. But pretty impressive box score, to say the least. Uh, five total tackles, four solo tackles, uh, tied for team high. Four passes defense and an additional two interceptions in Sundays 37 to 17 handling of the Atlanta Falcons just everywhere in this game they were all everywhere they manhandled that was that was a, a classic dismantling and and one that I think we all appreciated uh as you know fans of the direction that the Bears are headed and uh just flummoxed by what this season has become for a Falcons team that we thought was, you know, talented enough to win a division title. It just, uh, it was cathartic and especially that it happened, you know, in snow flurries and, you know, you see which team, you know, still has energy and which one is close to packing it in. Uh, and Stevenson and that defense were just ball hawking and having a blast out there. So I love that game ball. Uh, special teams. We have one. We we talked about it. We're not doing two special teams game balls this week. We're doing one. Uh, and we'll use this time to talk about uh, noted first-round receiver Jalen Rager, uh, who is, of course, uh, no, no longer blossoming into a superstar uh, for either the Eagles or Vikings. He is merely a kick returner for the Patriots, and he housed the opening kick yesterday. Uh, I'm not even going to be mean. I'm just going to say good for you, Jalen. Good for you for uh, – you know, showcasing that athleticism and making a nice play and uh, scoring some points in the NFL, which is always a tough thing to do. It is. It's special teams touchdowns are always hard to come by, and they're never not impressive when they uh, when they are accomplished. So hats off to you, Mr. Rager. Yeah, weirdly reminiscent of last year, too, when 
Uh, Naheem Hines took the opening kick for a touchdown in the uh, Demar Hamlin return game. I was going to say you cannot you cannot compare those, but I'm glad you I'm glad you at least brought up the uh, the Hamlin side of it. Yeah, it was just weird. It wasn't wasn't the same at all. It was quite different, in fact. But just the fact that it happened between the same two teams on the same field almost exactly one year later is I'll just say it's weird. It's, it's interesting. To say the very least. Now, with with game balls out of the way, I think we uh, we go ahead and knock these uniforms out. And uh, I'm just going to say it wasn't a very good uniform week. I'm just going to preface all this by saying that. But I did have a very kale, uh, you know, colors-oriented uniform game this week that I was excited to share with you all. So uh, did you know the Carolina Panthers, in all their many years, have never worn Light blue pants with white jerseys until yesterday. They had never done it. They didn't introduce the light blue pants until the color rush days. So I think that was about 2015. And they pretty much only wore it as a color rush. Uh, But it worked. I'm here to tell you, it worked. And you go up against Jacksonville, who's teal. uh, It's just, you know, it's kind of that like that turquoise, you know, blue-based fun colors, you know, juxtaposition. I... I appreciated that game because uh, even though I don't particularly love either team's uniforms, I thought they made the most of it in the matchup. Uh, and it was like a fun score bug too. Like you like seeing those colors next to each other. Just the whole thing, you know, popped a lot more visually than it did in terms of actually being a, a well-played football game. So got to give some love there. Yes, that was a uh, – you like when te- – like I said, I've always given credit for creativity. You want teams trying stuff. That was a good one. And not to mention, I mean, these are teams that came in the league in the same year uh, and both named themselves after big cats, which I don't know if I'll ever understand. Uh, But it does need to be said, those original jerseys, if they ever played a game against each other where they both wore like their 1995 jerseys, that would go bananas. I need to see that. Jackson, do you want to know something? Tell me. I found a fun fact from a little YouTube short uh, on Jacksonville. Uh, the, the crux of the story was about how Jaguar, the car company, had sued Jacksonville at their onset because the logo was too similar to the car company. But on the rebrand, they, they did the headshot, and they added a teal tongue. Do you know what the teal tongue is supposed to represent? I don't. I know we've talked extensively about this tongue before. We have. It's it's a piece of podcast lore. That teal tongue is a specific dig at the Panthers. It's supposed to be like eating the Panthers. Whoa. It's... <laughs> That's but... something... It was just, it was very funny to have this, like, I'm zoned out, like, brain dead from COVID, just staring at a phone three inches from my face, watching YouTube shorts on football teams. I'm just like, that's, that's, that tongue is, that tongue is in so many ways. Very, very credible YouTube short source, I presume, as well. It, guy that knows his ball. It was a it was a guy who does a lot of like 
logistics on stadium news. Like, like you know, this NFL team is the only stadium who faces north-south and goes through, like, a history of it. It was a lot better research than a lot of just random stuff. Highly produced. Uh, I don't know the name of the channel, but it's all their all their stories. He doesn't just do football. All their content starts with a top down of the stadium, and then like an expansion of the logo. So if you've ever been on Sports Talk or Sports Short, uh, uh, Sports Tube, uh, and seeing that format. Uh, that is the creator I am referring to. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Now, it is time for your uniform game of the week. On that very exciting note, uh, yeah, Tampa Bay, New Orleans. I guess again, we're talking creative colors here. There's something very New Year's about uh, a gold, a black, a pewter, uh, pewter. I'm I'm thinking more like a velvet red. But mm. it, like the velvet red has that weird color sheen that is the equivalent or adjacent rather to a pewter. So that's literally all I have. The Tampa I see, Bay Bucks. I see where you're going with that. The Tampa Bay Bucks looked awesome. They do. Uh, those uniforms looked great. Uh, I am all in on new unis there. Uh, the pewter tops. Uh, like the red, the red tops, the brown bottoms. I don't know which is pewter. Pewter is the brown. Ah, well, forget the red velvet thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> pewter I, is a metal. It's the color. The color it is. of the it's metal. A it's, that it's a color. copper. You are right. You are right. Uh, velvet yeah, rope red. They look, they look good as hell. And Jackson's starting to talk. Saints kind of washed uniform. I uh, I fully I'll, think they're washed from a uniform perspective. I was kind of there with the Bears. Uh, I don't think it's like wash, wash. But the Bears but, are, the Bears have never changed. The Saints are just kind of stuck in like 2010. That's that's the no, distinction I see. No, I was just saying like in the same way that you have you have said that the Saints are washed. I have gotten and you're tired of their uniform. I've gotten tired of the Bears uniform. Very understandable. <laughs> but the. Uh, the Saints color scheme is that good that I just think is worth having. Like that's it that carries it on its own. You're muted. That's good. That's a good know. moment in our history. I finally caught myself on mute. Sorry, I was I had uh external forces coming in to to ask questions of me and I was unable to get my finger off the mute button. Uh understandable. That's a that's a podcast head scratcher, and that'll take us into real head scratchers. And uh, we took so long on those resolutions. I know it's the pace of a normal episode, but as we discussed, there's one real major head scratcher this week. Uh, and I don't want to like rehash the entire thing necessarily, but we everyone knows what we're talking about, right? This I was just saying, frankly, it deserves to be an easy head scratcher of the year candidate. Uh, the Detroit Lions. Go in to Dallas. They're down 2013. They score a touchdown to make it 2019 with under 30 seconds to play. And they decide to go for two and the win. In doing so, they send tackle Taylor Decker in to report as eligible. They may have pulled some chicanery where uh, Skipper 
the guard is coming in uh, to make it look like he's the one reporting is eligible, but it appears to be clear as day on replay that Goff pointed to Decker in the huddle, said, go report yourself as eligible, and he went up to the official. Nobody knows what was said besides him and the official. In the stadium, they report Decker or they report Skipper as eligible, which makes no sense because Decker lined up as an eligible receiver and Skipper did not. Uh, they throw the pass to Decker. He's wide open. The trick play works. Dan Campbell said he had warned the officials before the game that that specific trick play was coming. Uh, and then they whistle it uh, for an eligible receiver. So uh, what happened? What fell apart there? What was the misconnection? Referee Brad Allen's crew, first of all, the post-game pool report, Brad Allen basically just said, like, I did absolutely nothing wrong. Skipper reported as eligible. Decker didn't say anything about it. Uh, and then the very following day, it gets reported that Allen's crew is going to be taken off playoff duties. So uh, seems like it was just a referee fuck up. And we talk about these far too often. Uh, it's no fun when a game just comes down to a referee fuck up. And this one was uh, one of the more egregious ones you'll see. Uh, barring, you know, Dan Campbell just getting mad and going for two twice more in a row when they probably should have just taken the PAT. Uh, that clearly you know, in the moment cost them a very, very good chance to win the game. Uh, and there was no reason that that needed to happen besides just pure ineptitude. It even, even the pure logistics of the, like, log, just the logic of like, oh, either three different lines lied, Dan Campbell included, like, I'm talking about the pool report. Either three different lines lied or I am wrong, which is more likely. I'd say it's more likely that you're wrong because the referees have been wrong just so frequently this season. Uh, it's Again, we've talked about how big of a problem the referee issue is. Uh, I like maybe we could get to a point and say that the Lions were a bit too sneaky because they were not one but two but three different players reporting because uh, Penny Sewell also at one point went over to report. Uh, like maybe you're going to have an issue with reporting players. Campbell was also wrong in the press conference. He came out and said, like, you can't have two guys report which isn't correct. You can't have as many players as uh, you have available report, but you can't. There's some issue. I forget what the issue was. Uh, there was some correction that I think Steratore made. But uh, there's just this it's just this obvious thing with the tape. Uh, they put it best on the broadcast. It's a two, it's a two point conversion to win the game. Not only is this a big deal, but the clock is fully stopped. We do, we can time this out. We can work this thing out. We can take this slow. It shouldn't be this bad. Yeah, and he's you know the the real egregious lie is saying like oh. I, I saw Skipper tell me he wanted to report as eligible, and that's what happened. Because when you look at the you know the replay of the situation, yes, Skipper is running in that direction. He doesn't come close to making it there by the time Allen like nods his head, seemingly at Decker, and Decker is clearly saying something to him, and then walks away. So 
in my, in my personal headcanon, he just saw 70 in the background running up to him while he was listening to the other linemen talk and just got them mixed up in his head. And that's, you know, that is not a good enough reason to, to overturn the outcome of a game. Uh, it's just, you know, not knowing the number 70 from the number 68. So, yeah, I mean, this is just a bad one. We've had a string of bad ones. Ironically enough, Brad Allen's crew was the one that was kind of, you know, taking the lead the last time we had a ref conversation on this show when uh, the Chiefs lost in Green Bay and there was the the PI debacle at the end and a bunch of other stuff. Late hit on Mahomes that got called that probably shouldn't have. Uh, I was going to say, at some point, I don't think that's irony. I I, <laughs> I don't think that's irony. Ref, yeah. I think that's just like a bad ref crew. <laughs> yeah, makes sense to me. Uh, and I guess, you know, the silver lining is they won't be in the playoffs. Uh, but uh, – the game pretty much ensured that the Lions will be the three seed instead of the two, which means that they would either go to Philly or go to Dallas in round two instead of having those teams come to Detroit. And if you don't think that makes a difference, then you're wrong. So there's real life implications to this stuff. And it just stinks. Like, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm sorry, Detroit. Like, I want things to be, you know, on a perfectly level playing field and to not have excuses for teams. And I, don't, I still don't think that is like a legitimate excuse to not play your best ball in January, but. It sucks. It really does. We we truly just cannot have this continue to happen. We need a better we need a better accountability measure for these teams. Like we 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 need or like these teams of referees. We need just more accountability in refereeing. It's super frustrating that this continues to happen. Yeah. And I think that's pretty much the only head scratcher that comes from a week like this. I had honorable mentions. I had a lot of honorable mentions. You know, there was the humorous variety of why does Washington have a three inch TV in their locker room? There was the, you know, X's and O's head scratcher of why did the Giants not try to get closer than a 54 yard field goal with 40 seconds left when they had, you know, a kicker they just signed off the street who's like 100 years old? There's like actually bad head scratchers of why are the Ravens honoring Ray Rice at halftime? There's like a lot of things we could talk about from this week, but all of it is overshadowed by bad refereeing. So that's that's the only official head scratcher we have to talk about. It's the only one that needs to be talked about because it just it I don't know. This team is so feel good that you want them to succeed. And like not only do you want them to succeed, but it's like it's a big guy touchdown, man. Exactly. It's like the coolest touchdown involved. And it just they just can't they can't give us good things. To win a game on the road that most people weren't giving them a chance to win. Uh, and it just gets ripped out of our hands on not only a technicality, just incompetence. Like I had, to, I had text our group, it's like, this team is so awesome. I, I love the love mm-hmm. the Lions so much. They're so cool. Uh and then just immediately like, God damn it. God damn it. Yep. Cheap seats. Chiefs is already. We're already there. Jackson. Final time they're going to be cheap, too. Yeah. This is it. I mean, we don't do cheap seats in the playoffs, do we? Like, no cheap seats there. I think I think we could we could find a variant on the cheap seat, mm-hmm. which I think would be interesting. But let's just get into this cheap seat. I think I have to give you the final one because you, you gave do. it to me last week. It does indeed. It is week 18. And oh wow. 
Oh, wow. Jackson, 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 Jackson. <laughs> Have you pulled this up? Uh, not yet. I okay. will once you uh, give it to me so I can remember them for reference. Well, uh, Jackson, we – we might have to do mid-seats. Because <laughs> we have our cheapest seats. The cheapest seats that we may have had all season. Like, like, like I'm saying cross the board. But you also kind of know what those cheap seats will be. Kind of hazard a guess that Jacksonville, Carolina is in there somewhere? Uh, Jacksonville, Carolina played this week. Oh, um, uh, Jacksonville, Tennessee then. That's who they're playing, right? And Tampa Bay, Carolina. Okay, frankly. yeah, well, perfect. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just wanted you to get both. Uh, Arizona probably in there too. Those those Jackson are all under twenty dollars. Oh, right. Yeah, that's that's too cheap. You're right. Mid seats this week. Mid seats out stronger. And 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 I will save you. There's one more under thirty. It's Atlanta, New Orleans, and I'll save you from that. I will save Gross. you from any NFC South ball this week. Although Thank that you. is a good. Rivalry. Uh, we'll we'll put it in the thirty to. Oh God, there's a lot of disparity. We'll put it thirty to sixty. It's four, it'll give us four games, and there was one much cheaper than the other. <laughs> and if you told me that Week 18 Chiefs Chargers was going to be thirty three dollars, wow. I wouldn't have believed you. Me neither, but I don't think you can take that one, right? No, you can't. That's terrible. No, you cannot. Um, oh, gross. If you told me at, at like any point up to like week 10, it'd be the fourth cheapest game on this, fifth cheapest game on this, wouldn't have believed you. Yet here we are. Uh. $51, second cheapest. A classic end-of-season matchup. Giants or Eagles at Giants. Mm. Just a classic. Looking out the a, window. A great one. You can Looking see it out the, the window. <laughs> Looking out the window. Cheaper than a, than a brand-new video game before uh, whatever. You could you could go there and buy beer, and hey, there's a there's a lot of historic season-ending memories of Eagles Giants in the final week of the season. So it uh, it bears viewing, just for uh, hilarity's sake. Uh, and hey, there could be some fun stuff that happens too. Fifty-eight bucks. A game you very well might want to go to, and if you're on either side, uh, and you might you might both be rooting for the same outcome, frankly. <laughs> Jets at Patriots, fifty-eight uh, bucks. Why does it have to be the Jets? You know why, Jackson? Because the Jets haven't won a game against New England, I believe, since the Obama administration. Twenty fifteen, confirmed. I remember that game. That's why I don't want it to be the Jets. I want them to lose, but I don't want I, – I love that Jets losing streak. That's like the one thing I still like about Patriots' success is the fact that they still have this crazy Jets winning streak that's hilarious. 
But at this point, in a way, I want it. I want it to end with. Like, if this is going to be Belichick, I want some cathartic end to it. I, I want a real, like, it's the, it's the same thing about, like, oh, you know, you're glad you got a loss out uh, ahead of time. Like, like you're, glad you, you're glad you got your, uh, your perfect season ended now so you don't have to worry about it going into the playoffs. You don't want to carry uh, the weight of a, you know, eight and a half year or seven and a half year uh, win streak into a new era head coach. You want to leave that in the past. I see so, that vision. It's a, it's a hard one to let go on, Jax, but we're working on letting go in 24 as Patriots fans. You are so right. Last one, 60 bucks. Surprisingly better than I thought it would have been, despite everything. It's Browns-Bengals. Game means nothing. It does. Yeah, but counterpoint, it's cool. Is it going to be DTR? I feel like it should be DTR for the Browns. That's my Can guess. Can they go any lower in seeding than five? No, they're, they're trapped in the five. There's no world where they're anything but the five. Oh, then then bench bench the house. Yeah. This is I wish I wish this was good for my uh my wins pool, but it isn't because I've already hit my max on my wins pool. <laughs> like or like they're both my wins teams, so I just win no matter what. Yeah, but you also lose no matter what. We're trying to find well the, you can only go up, so I only win. Yes, it's true. But when you are in your position in the wins pool, which is two and a half points back of Nolan going into the final week, any game where you know you're guaranteed a loss is kind of a bad thing at this stage. You want max yeah. win potential. I know that, I, but we're now just looking at. We should have come into the pod doing this, uh, but we're now just looking at matchups where we're both either playing each other or where our golden goose team is playing another team. I believe that both our golden goose teams are playing ourselves. They are, which means you need the golden goose teams to win. The thing is Jacksonville needs to win. So I'm happy about that. It's true. The commanders need pride. (laughs) The Cowboys need to win too, though. To be clear. Yeah, hey, they needed to win week 18 last year against the Manders. No, they didn't. <laughs> they were locked in the five seed last year. And Washington's left hand was up. All right. Who are we? The Commanders. Uh, I'm going to the Giants game. <laughs> Sorry. Uh I don't I can't do this Pats thing. I just don't I don't want to go to New England and try to root for them to lose. That's just not something that I can have on my conscience in what is, you know, I would say better than 50% chance this is Belichick's last game. I don't I don't want to root for that. I, I, I agree that it's a necessary cathartic ending to go out on a loss to the Jets, but I don't want to be there when it happens. So I'll just take the convenience route. You know, New Year try new things. I'll finally go to MetLife Stadium. It'll be uh, a nice first for me. Let's get some crazy 
uh, let's get some crazy Deshaun Deshaun Jackson style punt return. Like, let's get some real mess going. Very into that. That'll do it. That we got a, got a big old week ahead of us, Kale. 2024 starting on a high note. Next time we talk, we're talking playoffs. Speak, speak for yourself, high note. I'm, I feel like crap. <laughs> yes. So, I, I meant purely in a football sense. I acknowledge yes. that your life may not be exactly how you want it right now in terms of you know health and wellness, but we'll get there. Next time we talk, you'll be healthy. Think yes. Yes, I will. I am looking forward to it, and we will officially be able to talk some playoff ball, Jackson. Nothing could be more exciting. So, Kale, you're going to rest up. I'm going to get my ducks in a row. We're going to come back and talk playoff ball next week, and it will be amazing. So look forward to that, folks. But for now, for Kale, I'm Jackson. We will see you next Tuesday. See you. Thank you.